Gracious God, you speak, and there is creation. Speak to us now that we might be recreated and uh, renewed in you and in your word. By the power of your Holy Spirit, amen. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against against us, but against the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, and omer to, to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, as much as each needed, but when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much food, two omers apiece. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, 
a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not become foul, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, and they found none. The Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you food for two days. Each of you stay where you are. Do not leave your place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel called it manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, in order that they may seed the food with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the covenant for safekeeping. The Israelites ate manna forty years until they came to a habitable land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is a tenth of an ephah. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks, Thanks be to God. What a story. A very, very important story. A very, very important school, not only for them, but also for us. You know, it was impressive for me, perhaps it was for you too, um, as we were introduced to our new members, the education that people have had uh, that are coming into our church and that you have had as well. I was looking at the list today and thinking, wow, these people are smart. They're a lot smarter than I am. Also, we value education. There are all kinds of schools, powerful schools. And schooling at its best, you see it happening here in this passage. You see it happening with the word testing. We don't like that word, but that's a part of schooling too, isn't it? And schooling at its best is where you don't have the students testing the teacher, which does happen, doesn't it? You who are teachers, you have students that really test you, test your patience, are always pushing back. But schooling at its best is where teachers are helping, and with their testing even, somehow giving to you practical wisdom that you can live by. It will be something that you feed upon and draw upon, not just in that moment, but it will feed you for the rest of your life. We have here in this story that kind of school. And we know that it's a powerful school because by the time we get to Jesus Christ and the people are saying to him, teach us, teach us to pray, Jesus gives them words. And some of the words that he gives to, us, gives to them and to us is the phrase, Give us this day our daily bread. 
Those three words, in the wilderness, are powerful. Powerful teachers, a powerful school for living and loving a la Jesus. So I want us to look closely at this school and at these three words because they're with us always. We always have this prayer and we always have these three words and they will always be a school for us, especially as we understand the way God was using this school in the wilderness, in the school of Lent, if you will. So we're going to do kind of a Hebrew way and we're going to go from right to left, beginning with the word bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I don't know if you noticed in this story, but it's not really about the bread. It really is about learning to depend on God. The very first thing, when they see that they're in a wilderness and there's no food out there, they're angry and they say, what? We had our fill of bread in Egypt. They had learned to love their life in Egypt because they had their fill of bread but they'd learned to depend on Pharaoh and this whole system of captivity for their bread. They had not learned yet to depend on God. And the response of God is, I will rain bread down from heaven upon you. But it's not really about the bread, is it? It's learning how to trust the source of the bread. That's what's going on here. I have a sister who's really good with animals. I call her the horse whisperer because she's really good with horses, but she's good with dogs, and she's really good with cats. And she just got a new cat recently, and it's a Mao. I don't know if you've heard of a Mao, but it's a certain breed that goes all the way back to Egypt, interestingly enough. And it's, a, it's smart like a Siamese cat. And this cat uh, came to her house and hid under the bed. It would not come out and relate to her. So she very wisely learned that the best way to develop trust and a relationship with this cat was through food. So she would put out food, but not enough to satiate the cat. So that later in the day when she would hold a little morsel of food, eventually the cat learned bit by bit to come closer and closer to her, the source of the food, to trust her. Brilliant. The same thing is happening, in a sense, with this bread, this manna in the wilderness. You know, later on, there are five books in the beginning of the Old Testament. It's called the Pentateuch for five. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, they're all attributed to Moses. And by the time we get to the last book, there's teaching there about everything that has preceded them, including crossing the wilderness, including the lesson of the manna, the bread. And this is what is written in Deuteronomy 8. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness? As if they could forget in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments, he humbled you by letting you hunger, just like my sister with her cat, and then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. 
And then later in that same chapter, Moses writes, take care that you do not forget the Lord your God. When you've eaten your fill, when you've built fine houses and you live in them, when your herds and your flocks have multiplied and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Wow. It's easy to forget God when things are going great, isn't it? When things are going horribly and you're in a landscape like this, not just without bread, but there's all kinds of ways we're in landscapes like that, of deprivation and need and desperation. We cry out to God. But when things go well, we can forget. And so we enter into this school of fasting and praying in order to learn to remember, to remember who it is that is the source of our life. You know, Jesus did that, didn't he? He went into the wilderness. He went into this school intentionally, was led there by the Spirit of God, and fasted and prayed for 40 days. And what happened when he was in that wilderness? He was tested. He was tested, we are told, by Satan, turned those loaves, those stones rather, into loaves of bread, to do all kinds of things that would cause Jesus not to look to God in faith and trust, but to look to Satan because he was hungry in that deprivation. In the absence of bread, learning to trust God. And thinking about our own schools of the wilderness, sometimes unchosen. You don't have a job. You lost your job. Praying for weeks, looking for months. Months can turn into years. Will we trust in the God who provides or not. The one that you love who has cancer, praying and praying, all kinds of treatments, all kinds of prayer chains, all kinds of suffering, and your loved one dies. That's a wilderness. How do we trust in that wilderness that God is still with us and for us and provides? When you are alone, and you pray in that loneliness that God would take it away, but God does not take it away. How do we trust in the Word of God? In the absence of bread and also in the presence of bread. How do we remember in the times of abundance and springtime and summer? Who feeds us? As we say grace at a meal, as we come to worship, we remember. But it's not about bread. Give us this day our daily bread, those three words. It is about learning to depend on God. Give us this day our daily bread. The second word I want to lift up, daily. There is a rhythm there that is a rhythm of trust that is holy. It's this increment of one day at a time. And that increment actually sets us free, sets us free from the illusion of control and sets us free from despair. 
Later on, when Moses is teaching, looking back on the wilderness experience, and he comments also in chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. You know, we want more than a day's worth, don't we? We want to know more than what's going to go on today. We want the whole map. We want to see the whole staircase, not just the next step. Just like in the Garden of Eden when God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No, we want that tree. We will eat from that tree. Even though the tree of the knowledge of good and evil belongs to God alone, we love the illusion that it belongs to us that we can see the whole picture. But this daily rhythm, each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them whether they will follow my instructions or not. On the Sabbath, the sixth day, rather before the Sabbath, they gathered twice as much food. Tomorrow's a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. Will you follow my instructions? And what did they do? They kept more than a day's worth, and it rotted. It had worms. And on that seventh day, when they were told not to go out and gather, it says that some of them went out and gathered. Oh, it's so hard for us. Not to be in control or to have this illusion that we are in control. Our daily bread frees us from that illusion that we are in control. And there's something else very powerful that that rhythm of dailiness does for us. It frees us from despair. I find this extremely powerful. I think it's what Jesus was trying to say when he was teaching, and he was saying, do not worry about tomorrow. Today's troubles are enough for today. Amen? And, you know, when you're in a crisis, I have found this as a pastor especially. Leslie was sharing and gave me permission to share that when Dick was having open-heart surgery and she was fit to be tied in the thick of all the complications around that, and Ben Pierce went to visit with her in the hospital, and she said, I can barely handle thinking about the next two hours. And you know where they went? To this invitation of dailiness. Just trust God for today. Just today one day at a time. For people who are newly into the journey of grief, have lost a wife, how do you imagine living that kind of agonizing grief for the rest of your life? You can't and you shouldn't. Just today. Just today. God will give you strength for today. Okay, I can handle two hours. I can handle one day. People that are working on recovery from addiction can't imagine a lifetime without alcohol or their drug of choice. But they're not supposed to. One day at a time, just today, just this day. I came back from vacation, so glad that I had this lovely week away, and I came back and there was this mountain in front of me. And I whined to people. Oh my gosh, I've got Ash Wednesday, I've got session on Saturday, I've got to preach on Sunday, we have new members class, and we're losing an hour of sleep. 
on daylight savings time. This is killing me. But always the invitation is back to one day. One day, and guess what? Every day, God gave me the manna I needed for that day. It is a holy, holy rhythm. Holy, holy rhythm. Daily bread frees us from our illusion of control and from despair. Our daily bread. They gathered as much as each of them needed. Our daily bread. Let's talk about our. You know, this very verse is quoted by Paul when he's writing to a church and he's asking them to share out of their abundance with another part of the church that's going through a famine, hunger. And he says, he quotes this verse, they each gathered as much as they needed and Paul went on and said, there should be a balance between your present abundance and their need. Jesus did the same thing, didn't he, when he was with thousands who were hungry out in the wilderness, and he was teaching them, and he knew they were hungry, and they didn't have any food. So he turned to his disciples, and he said, we need to get them food. And the disciples said, right. And then he said, well, what do you have? And somebody came forward with their meager little lunch. And how eager do you think they were to give that up? Probably not too eager. You give them something to eat, Jesus said, and they could do that because they knew God would provide manna for them the next day if they're li living within this school of our daily bread. But those of us who have much are called to give to those who don't have enough. I was so blown away by these maps that were posted, I think they're National Geographic maps, showing um, the continent of Africa the sheer size of it, the population of it, you see the, the dark splotch right there is the size of the United States. The red splotch is the size of China. The yellow splotch is the size of India. That's how huge the continent of Africa is. And yet if you look at this next map and look at the distribution of the world's wealth, if it were to be shown accurately, see how Africa has shrunk to nothing? and how bloated China and the United States and Europe are in terms of wealth. It's humbling that there are over a billion people. I'm not even sure how many people live on the continent of Africa, but most of them live under $2 a day. That's mind-boggling. Some of us are trying to kind of enter into the dare of living on $2 a day for three days during Holy Week. Just food, not housing. If you are interested in doing that and figuring out how to do that, you can let me know. We can enter into that Lenten practice together. The point being to be mindful of the inequities of our abundance and those who do not have enough to live on. We have this temptation to hoard. We hear it in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12 when Jesus is saying, give it away our daily bread. Praise God that we give and partner with ministries like Village Enterprise that are not only giving to the hungry but also helping the hungry make a living so they won't be hungry. And we give to many of you sponsor children around the world. We're out of your abundance 
those that are living on the top of a mountain like we visited in Romania, who are hungry, these kids, and now out of our abundance, we can help them have enough to eat. And locally, you've been invited this morning to bring manna to the Second Harvest Food Bank. Praise God for these ministries that are helping in our particular county. Can you believe it? One out of ten adults hungry. One-third of our children are bullied by hunger. That's unbelievable, right here in our own backyard. And so we give out of our abundance. Snacks for Redwood High School, sandwiches on Sunday to Fair Oaks Community Center, on and on it goes. It's a part of this school. Jesus, who said, I am the bread of life, what did he do with that bread at the communion table? Broke it and gave it. This is my body, broken and given. Give us this day our daily bread. This school of faith, learning to be dependent upon God, the school of hope, the school of loving. And here's the good news. Here's the amazing news. That Jesus doesn't just give us this school in his prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus enters the school with us and for us. And Jesus doesn't just enter the school with us and for us. Jesus also gives us what we need to get through the school. Everything that we need inside us, just like you ate that pita bread. And if you didn't eat the pita bread, then whatever you eat that goes inside you. The amazing thing is that Jesus doesn't just give us the school and say, okay, this is the way you're supposed to live, being dependent upon God with his daily rhythm, sharing with those who don't have enough. Jesus doesn't just give us the school. He gives us his A+. He did it all. He had faith. He could depend on God one day at a time, even through the hideous suffering of the cross, knowing that God would provide day by day that daily rhythm, giving himself away in love, he gives his A-plus to us. That's the gospel, that we can live Learn in this school, but live this life. Live in love like Jesus because he gives us his power to do that. Is that good news? That is amazing. I don't know any other school that does that. Let's pray. Jesus, we want, we want to have faith, the faith that you have depending so completely on the trustworthiness of God. We want to learn to walk in freedom and joy day by day, looking to you. We want to be generous. We want to be noticing those who do not have in a way that sets us free to love them like you do, the way you love us. So Lord, fill us with your manna, your power, that we might follow you, love you, glorify you in our day-to-day -day lives. Amen.